You're listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To learn more about the Collective Church in Portland, Oregon, and Vancouver, Washington, visit us online at thecollectivechurch.com. you weren't here last week, we have funded all $300,000 of the Chiapas house, by the way. And, and we just had, we just had a team come back. And if the team would come up here, that was just in Mexico, would you guys get up here? And I want to, I want to read something that I got this morning from Jacob Hancock, who's Britt and Audrey's son, and who led the, this trip, helped lead this trip. He said, Pastor Ben, this is Jacob Hancock. I'm Britton Audrey Hancock's son and Mountain Gateway Missions Director. I wanted you to hear from me just how much of a blessing the team you sent us was. They were willing, had good attitudes, pressed into the spirit, went to war for the people here, and encouraged and loved on our family. I'm hard-pressed to think of a visiting missions team that I've had interaction with that was as good as them. Amazing. Their attitudes, work ethic, and heart for ministry spoke volumes of the collective church I look forward to visiting your church someday. Way to go. And there was more on the team, and I'll have them share in the next service. But we would love, love, love for you guys to just share um, what God did and just what you saw. Now, John here speaks Espanol, and I heard you were a great blessing to the team with another Spanish speaker, so thank you guys. Which should I speak in this morning? No, I'm teasing. No, I'm teasing. Hey, it was it was such an amazing uh, opportunity for us to uh, not only get to know uh, Mountain Gateway and their people and their work, but also to represent the collective church in Mexico. Uh, we were so honored to be a part of this trip and this team. And I'll tell you, the team uh, was fantastic. You know, you, you step into a place where, um, you're not familiar with the environment. You're not familiar with the work that's being done and you see people step up and just really minister in their gift sets and in their calling. And so it was great. And I had a blast with our team as well as with the staff of Mountain Gateway that we got to know. And, you know, we, it was such a diverse trip. We actually flew into Austin, Texas and visited Dripping Springs where the Mountain Gateway headquarters was at and got to see what they're doing there. Got to uh, meet with the, the coffee roasting staff and, and see kind of that uh, marketplace portion of Mountain Gateway in, in action, get to catch their vision for what they want to see happen. Uh, so that was a great part of the trip. And then we, from there, we flew down to Puebla, Mexico, and uh, went to the city of Quetzalan and uh, were able to uh, get to know Jacob and Cassie Hancock, who are Brit and Audrey's son and daughter-in-law. And just what an amazing, beautiful uh, time we had there. Um, powerful. And, and that, you know, that portion of the trip was where we got to actually go out from their their headquarters and travel to different areas, hike in to these Indian homes and minister and share with these Indian believers who uh, live life at such a different level than we do here. It was, we had a lot of difficult experiences, a lot of great experiences, a lot of funny stories, um, a lot that we got to share together. You know, 
eating food that you just were like, okay, here we go, Lord. And praying, literally praying over everything you drank and everything you ate because you did not want Montezuma's revenge. And, um, and so, uh, but just every interaction was just very special and, and, and profound. It was very profound. And, um, from there we got to go visit the children's home and the rehab center and just a very full, broad, uh, horizon trip. And as we were there, um, I, uh, was extremely stirred. I mean, you just cannot go into that type of a setting and not have your heart be stirred and shaken. And, um, the thing that stirred me the most was knowing that we would hike into a village and there would be six or eight believers in this small block house, worshiping, being discipled, and then going out from there and doing the work. And that, that was like the result of like 20 years worth of work. And it was like, oh my God, I give up so easy. I am so impatient. I am so um, production oriented and results oriented. And to go and see the breakthrough that it took to win those few souls and the effort the Lord was just speaking to me the whole time. John, you live in a difficult place. You live in the Pacific Northwest. It's difficult for the gospel, but the power of the gospel is at work. And so the scripture that I, that the Lord put on my heart, and then I'll let the rest of uh, the team continue to share. But it was like uh, Jesus said, um, wide is the gate and easy is the way that leads to destruction. And many are those who enter it. But narrow is the gate and hard is the way that leads to life, and very few will find it. And as I was kind of digesting that scripture, it, it, was, it challenged me to understand that when we choose Jesus, we go through the narrow gate. And the way is not easy. And sharing the gospel is not easy. And living for Christ is not easy. But when I saw the spirit of God at work in the lives of every one of the believers there. And I saw what God was doing in them as they sought after God with all their heart. The power of Jesus was there breaking through strongholds and doing an amazing work that was going to see breakthrough in that area. I was stirred and encouraged to say, God, I want to choose that route. I want to choose the route that leads to life. It's not easy but by your grace, by your empowerment, by your spirit, by your word, you're going to do good things as we each here live our lives for you, sharing the gospel, bringing the light and doing your work. And so with that, I would just leave you today, just shake off any sense of wanting to take that easy route. We, these guys pay the price. You know, these guys pay the price and, and we were, I was humbled to see them going after the gospel every day, like, like just charging after the gospel, charging against the enemy. And that last song we sang, when it talks about Jesus 
breaking down walls, kicking in doors, coming against lies. You know, that all represents the Jesus who works hard for our lives. He comes out after us recklessly with hard work, coming after us, knocking on the door of billions of people's hearts. And it's like, Jesus, help me to be like you. The way you pursued me, help me to pursue others. The way you gave your gospel to me, help me to be the one who shares the gospel with others. And so in that place, I just would leave the church this morning with just walk in the grace of God, walk in the love of Christ, and follow his example. Amen. Well, um, one word that was used on our trip a lot was, we've got to be flexico in Mexico. <laughs> and that we were. But um, I think just a couple highlights quickly to share for me is that, you know, the same Holy Spirit that swept through this morning is the same Holy Spirit that swept through the mountains of Mexico. And I experienced an open heaven over those little tiny homes where God showed up and he broke down the walls and he penetrated, penetrated hearts that were very stoic. And Jacob said, I can't believe they're crying. I can't believe they're hugging. We haven't seen this in years but it was the Holy Spirit that came and he broke down the walls and he penetrated hearts. There was reconciliation like I've never seen before between families, between husband and wife. There was a spirit of reconciliation that only God can do. And we got to experience it. We also saw miracles. We saw deliverances. And God was so evident and on display. Just as is, he is here today, he is there. And he is doing it. Revival is coming there too. And so um, second of all, going to the home was our second leg of the trip. And I just want you guys to know that I am so thankful for a praying church and a giving church. Because when I stepped into that little kid's home, and I saw familiar faces that were on that video, that Village Global, and that I got to pick up that meth baby that was rescued. And that baby was the biggest delight, full of joy. And I got to rock that baby to sleep. And I thought, where would that baby be if that baby wasn't rescued? And that little girl that you saw in the video that Nicole rescued, I got to jump on the trampoline with that little girl as she wrapped her hands around my neck and said, Mi familia. Where would that little, be girl, little girl be without the rescue? Your money that was, came to support is going to rescue these children and it is going to change the trajectory of their life. There is, was so much joy in those faces. And I am thankful that we went as a group in such unity and on assignment from God. We represented Jesus and we represented the collective. What you guys' heart is, we carried that same heart. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you, Brenda. So great. I think after listening to what you had to say, I just, 
uh, one, one picture that just flashed into my mind because she was referring to the children's home. We, as John said, we did three different things, um, is seeing my husband being surrounded by these little girls with a fingernail polish and they wanted to paint his fingernails. And then seeing later in the day, you know, his gold wedding ring and his hairy little gringo hands. <laughs> and he's got his fingernails all painted and we had to get figure out how to get that stuff off. They had they had fingernail polish, but no remover. <clears throat> And I had four layers on my fingers and toes. At one point, I had, the, uh, and they were so cute. They were like, put these benches together so you can sit down here, put your hands back here. And I'm spray, I'm splayed out. I have a kid on each, you know, I have four kids. I'm getting a mani-pedi spa, which I wasn't <laughs> expecting. But the joy and delight um, on their faces was amazing. Um, two stories I want to say. If you can just picture... So we had corporate worship and prayer, which was super amazing. The unity was amazing. The grace was amazing. If you had told me I was going to be sitting in a hot, sticky, on a, on a piece of board with like two cinder blocks underneath it, and there's, there's going to be giving me special packages and black stuff, and um, I would be drinking gooey goop with chunks of something in it. Um, I would say, wrong girl. <laughs> there was so much grace. Like when I read, I mean, like reading the packing list, I was nearly in tears. <laughs> I mean, the packing list like was over the edge. Like you will eat everything set before you. And I'm like, oh, baby, baby, baby. So, but, but picture this, we are, um, we're in a truck what, at the back of a truck, the bar's hitting here. There's there's windy roads everywhere, speed bumps everywhere. You're kind of getting banged up. I have bruises like from here down to here. 45 minutes. But listen, to get to a place where you're going to hike down half a mile to go to Miguel, who years and years ago, Britt saved. Years and years ago, Tim as a young man gave five grueling years and there were no, I had a concrete road to drive on. And even though it was open to air and probably under no safety regulations, um, at least I had a truck and at least there was a concrete road before I did the half mile hike. But Britt, who I was, I mean, Tim, who I was with, he was the one who carried the cinder blocks with no roads, <laughs> carried it. It was a 45 minute drive half mile down. So it's like Britt who got him saved, Tim who carried the the cinder blocks down to no man's land, to McGill, and hearing McGill, and we go to this dirt house, and all of his grandkids are dressed in the finest Mexican dresses. Like how did she, what bleach is she using? I mean, bleached white, starched, ironed, dressed up like they were expecting royalty. And I don't know, it's super, super humbling because they feed you all their stuff and they hardly ever get meat. And they fed us all. And, um, and then as he's talking, I'm looking at Miguel and I see this kid poke his head out. And I'm like, oh, have I read about him? It starts because we were told to read the book Apprehended by Brit. And so I did. 
And I'm thinking, I think that's him. I think I know this story. Nothing like reading a book and then seeing the characters in the book. You're like, you're chapter three, you're chapter seven, you're chapter four. They don't even know there's a book written about them. But Miguel proceeds to say how his brother hired a witch doctor. Witchcraft is really big. Um, a witch doctor to curse him because he became a, uh, because he became a Christian. So when McGill is sharing his testimony, he is lit up with the glory of God to talk about the persecution, to talk about the scorning and the ridicule all around him. And he is sharing his story about how his brother hired a witch doctor to curse him. How another, I think the story went, another witch doctor said, I've got some other incantations and curses that you can do to combat that. He said, no, thank you. He got deathly ill, was dying, laid in his bed, and he's sharing this story. So you're hearing it unfold from him with all his beautiful little children and grandchildren around him. And he laid on his side and just started reading out loud the Psalms for three days. And God healed him immediately, everything from top to bottom. And then his daughter had a baby boy and the baby boy a few weeks old died. And he takes that baby boy and he shares about how he holds that baby boy and contends in prayer over that baby boy and then just blows on his face, evidently not just a charismatic thing. And he comes back to life. And that little boy, I, that boy, how was he guy old? 13? 13, that was the boy that I saw. And I'm like, could that be the boy? So raising from the dead. But then I'm with Tim, who he was the one who carried those blocks down. But it was Jacob's dad, Britt, who paid the price. So in terms of paying the price and doing the hard work and enduring for this family. And, um, you know, so it was, it was a blessing and an honor. Then what we did is we brought in what we could do. And I'm just talking about this one family, this one village, Miguel. And, you know, the Lord had prepared me um, about witchcraft and what to do against it. So I had scriptures and I had, and so we spent time together blessing and releasing and uh, and forgiving and praying for the revelation of Jesus to be upon his brothers and his family. And so we, we, we brought what we know to do, right? You bless those who curse you. And the other thing that was so amazing is, um, they don't have need of a teacher and nor do we, they had this and they had the Holy spirit and the Holy spirit taught Miguel and, and the Holy spirit gave him the revelation of Jesus. And, um, that's what he used. And then just one other story because it was too much. The, um, the, the men's prison. No, it looked like a men's prison. It wasn't a prison, the rehab. I was thinking it was going to be like a prison and that they would look depressed or they'd be banging their head up against the wall or they'd be despondent or it'd be really hard to get in. It was so redeemed and so joyful and so full of life. It was amazing. Like they are shouting out scriptures. They are jumping to their feet, fighting over who gets to read the scripture out loud. And they knew where they were. They knew where they were. They knew the scriptures. And my favorite part, it like was kind of this, you kind of walked in, it was like a prison. And then we ate together. And then it was like a disco thing because it was like black lights and disco lights with worship, with this like one soundtrack of drums, like the whole time, but like eight different songs. And, um, and then, then revival happens. The men start putting their arms around each other all the, the re, men in rehab and the men start, they're in a circle and the men start dancing 
And then there's all these old gringos, which Jacob's like, wow. Anyway, he wasn't, he wasn't, I guess he wasn't expecting how old we were and how fit we would be or something. I don't know. So, um, so he, he we kind of referred to as the old gringos. I know it's not nice, but as, as the revival's breaking out and all the, the indigenous people are having revival, one person breaks out and goes and joys them. And it was such a joy as a wife because my husband was awesome sauce. He was amazing. He just breaks out of all and he just goes and he taps his shoulder on the men that are in a circle dancing. And he's like, you're my brother. And he just jumps in and starts dancing and the whole place shifted. And then everyone starts jumping in and dancing. And so that was another great moment. Yeah, that'll only happen in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yesterday I was I was reading the Bible, and to me this kind of summed up our week. It says, your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into his, the kingdom realm of his beloved son. For in the son, all of our sins are canceled and we have the release of redemption through his blood. So when we flew into Puebla and started driving out to Quetzalan, I was listening to Jacob and he starts mentioning how Cortez came through this valley and basically said they were a brutal people. They brutalized and even more brutal people, the Aztecs. And I began to just think about the history as, as we went through there and we visited the villages. We were, we were ministering to indigenous, uh, my, probably Aztec and Mayan descendants, you know, and they were the downcast. They were the lowest society. They were living, I mean, it's steep hillsides. They're rocky. They're subsistence farmers. They plant corn on every little bit of hillside they can. You know, it's not like planting here where you plant a nice flat, flat ground. And then they go harvest it by hand. And then um, society really looks down on them. And, and, and when we would visit these homes, like this last home we went in, you know, the kitchen's a dirt floor. And because Miguel carried down blocks and concrete, you know, he, they've got a concrete flat spot in the back. But um, it had me thinking that um, they really, that society really has no, um, no history of, of, or godly basis for justice for love. I mean, th th their language doesn't even have a word for love. So if, if their parents speak Nahuatl, which is the indigenous language, they've never heard love. They don't know that concept really. And so we went from ministering to them. And, the, uh, you know, for me, the great honor was hanging out with these people that you read about in the book. Yeah. You know, a guy who had didn't believe in God, been kidnapped. They were dragging away in the woods with a noose around his neck. He gets the noose off when they're climbing over a fence, takes off running. They got four guns. They miss him the whole time. Well, he ends up giving his life to the Lord, becomes, a, you know, one of their leaders in the church, was a wealthy man. He's no longer a wealthy man because somebody told him, you know, you really shouldn't sell wine. He pours it all down the drain. And, his, and the people quit um, going to his business. He's excluded from the business community because he's now a Christian. Because what happens is most, a lot of the people have idols. And so he gets rid of all of his idols. And so... Um, and then we go visit that the uh, the orphanage, and you know, seeing the kids, and you know, we played with it. 
the kid that had the burns all over his body that people had done to him. And of course, by the end of the day, I'm ready to kill somebody. You know, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm feeling pretty good about that, Pastor. But then, you know, thank God, Dusty's a great. He was a great leader, great pa- uh, pastor. And uh, the next day, we're going to visit the rehab center, and there's guys in there who had worked for the cartel, cut people up, done done crazy stuff, and you're ministering to them. And so, what, what it was amazing to see the power of God. It's same power here is, is the same power there and it cost them a lot to follow him so well we just want to say thank you guys thank you thank you thank you and we love you and we're um we have another we have another group going in 11 days so we have another team going and um My, my family's going to be going on that one, so we're really excited. John did tell me that little Montezuma's revenge did hit, so be, be praying for us, friends. Um, wow. You feel the heart of God? Yeah. Big time. Yeah, Heather, like I said, Heather, um, and just the verse that Chuck read, it's just amazing how God orchestrates everything and how he bring things, brings things together. But I'm going to read a few scriptures here. Um, A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let that sink in for just a second. Okay. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us it what we think about god and ultimately what we think about ourselves, because our view of god dictates how we see ourselves. now last week um, i asked a question and the question was how many people in the room right now are righteous how many people in the room right now are righteous and some people shot their hands up and then others were like, think. And then some people didn't have their hands up and that's okay. Cause it, what hit me was, oh man, we, we need to talk about this. Cause this is one of the fundamental principles. One of the fundamental building blocks of the collective church is that we know who we are in Christ Jesus Heart cross crown, which is an amalgamation with this logo. It represents a heart across a crown, which represents what? Intimacy, identity, and kingdom authority. And so our identity and who we are and how we see ourselves and how we think about God and how he sees us is like super, super, super um, critical to how we live life and how we walk out our kingdom authority. Because I'm not going to walk out authority if I don't know I have authority or if I don't know if I'm in the, the, the right position. Like, have you ever walked into a setting where you don't know whether or not you have authority? And it, th- there's something different when you're given authority, when you're given leadership, when you're given the green light where you start, where you take that authority and you walk in it really confidently. 
And other times you walk in, you're like, I, I don't know what, where I stand here. So I'm not sure, like I see this and I want to move out in this, but, I, but I'm, I'm not sure if I have the authority to do that. And let me tell you, church, way, 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 way too many believers are walking around like that. Going, I don't know if I have the authority to, to do this because I'm equating authority to performance and behavior. Did you catch that? Do not equate your authority to performance and behavior. Your authority is based on the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you are a son and a daughter, that you have what what Heather did this morning when people just asked Jesus to come into their heart to be their Lord and Savior, to turn their lives over to Jesus, to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I believe that you lived and that you died and you were raised again for me. I believe that the blood of Jesus continually cleanses me from all unrighteousness. That, that's what we were doing is we were, is we were saying, because from that point on, and by the way, if, if you've received Jesus Christ and maybe you have a bad week, you don't need to receive Jesus again next week. That's what I did at summer camp every year growing up. Because I grew up in a little bit of a legalistic church where God's hand was very flimsy and he kept dropping us all the time. So we had to, you know, we're like, he's got the whole world in his hands. And then we would fall out of his hands. And then every time I got on an airplane, it's like, Jesus, I think we're good, but just want to double check. Would you come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior? Turn from sin. Like, 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 the salvation, I mean, salvation is just about my performance. It's just about what I'm, now I think, here, let, let, me, let me just say, theologically, I think the scriptures are clear that somebody can make a choice to walk away from God. I don't, I don't believe once saved, always saved, and, and we're, I believe that we can make, people can rebel and make a choice to say, God, I'm rebelling against you. I am turning away from you. And we know people like that who have done that. And that's a dangerous place to be. But if you're in Christ, you're in Christ. You're in his hand. You're secure in his hand. And that's why A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Because a lot of times what comes into our mind about God is it's a punitive God and that we're in trouble. And I want to read a scripture out of First First John. I believe it's chapter 4. Um, I'm not going to take a long time here. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really, really happy how God is weaving the service together because we needed to hear from those guys and we needed to hear what God's doing and what you're doing and what, where our money is going and what we're doing. You know, Nicole just rescued a girl yesterday or two days ago in Puebla, no, in uh, Chiapas where we have, so while the home is being built and where the land, the land is being purchased and all the things, um, there are two homes that are rented that are leased right now. So she, they're actively rescuing kids and that's where, that's again what the collective church is helping out with. She just um, rescued a girl who was barely fourteen. She wasn't feeling good. Nicole took her in and found out she was pregnant. Okay, so this is actively what's happening. This is actively what we're investing into and what we're giving to. Praise God, Amen. Um, it says this in First John chapter four. 
it says, um, verse 18, it says, such love. Um, actually, let's go to 16. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid. And we'll say afraid on the, on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Verse 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. So if our thoughts about God go to go to a place of uh, punishment, of disappointment, a place that is punitive, um, then we need to change our mindset on our view of God and what God thinks about us. God is very clear in scripture. And in fact, I, I've sent this out before, but we're going to send it out again today. Brittany, remind me. Um, I have a PDF called How God Sees Us. And it is a collection of New Testament scriptures of how God sees his children. Not, not what my opinion is on it, but what actually the scriptures say on how God sees each and every one of us. So here's here's what the thing is, um, and we talk about this in the world of addiction, is that when we feel shame, we engage in activities that confirm how we feel about ourselves. Okay, if I if I if I feel something about myself long enough, and it's pervasive enough in my mind, then I actually will engage in behaviors that confirm that what I think about myself is true. This is like very root level when it comes to self-sabotage. You're like, how did you make that decision? Didn't they know better? Yes, they knew better, but their mind about how they thought about themselves and how they perceived others to think about them and how they perceived God to think about them was so incongruent that those thoughts override what I know to do, what I know is right, and they, people engage in activities just to confirm, this is how I feel about myself. And this is what I think about myself. So I believe that breaks the heart of God. I believe that breaks the heart of God. One thing that maybe a little shift that Heather and I did in parenting was I wasn't necessarily going to tell my kids all of the bad things that I didn't want them to do. But what I wanted them to do is at nauseum, I wanted them to almost be irritated by how much we told them who they were. Because I wanted them when they were in, the, in their own thoughts, when they were all by themselves, I wanted those thoughts to be pervasive in their heads of who I am. Because I, knew, I was like, if we can get them to think like that, then they'll engage in activities that confirm how they think about. And when they're confronted with activities, they're going to say, that doesn't feel like me. In fact, I remember a time being in a 15 passenger van and, it, you know, growing up in youth ministry and being a youth pastor, I've spent more time than all of you combined in a 15 passenger van. And, um, I mean, I can drive those things on. Yeah, anyways, me, me in a 15-passenger van, we, not a lot of places we can't go. Um, but I remember being in a, in a van, and I was playing baseball. 
and I, and I was on this team, and I remember them talking, and it was dirty, and it was gross, and it was like, it was all about sex, and it was all about body parts, and it was, it was a bunch of, you know, junior high boys talking that didn't know Jesus. And I remember I had the thought, and this is the thought that I wanted to, my, my kids to have. And the, the thought I had was, was not, I'm better than them. Was not, but I remember I had the thought, this is not who I am. This is not who I am. Because I was wanting to engage because I have high woo and I want to make sure people like me. That's in my strength finders. Like I want every, you know, you don't, you, I don't need you to like me. I have to have you to like me. You know, like, um, and so, you know, that was at a really unhealthy level back then. So I was trying to engage in these behaviors because I wanted to be a part. But then I was like, what hit me in my spirit, man, by the Holy Spirit was, this is not who you are. So don't, you don't even have to try to do this because it's not even who you are. Does that make sense? It's just a shift on the way we think. Instead of don't, don't watch rated R movies. Don't look at this. Don't go there. Don't listen to this. Don't actually what I wanted is, is for them to be so full of who they were that it would feel incongruent when they got into those environments. Like this isn't me. And actually the Bible says that one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to convince us of our righteousness. It convicts the world of sin and it convinces the world, the, the believer of the, of their righteousness. And so, so when I, when I saw that last week that not everyone raised their hands for, are you righteous? Everyone in the room, the only people that who should have not had a hand up was people who have not given their hearts to Jesus yet. If you were a believer, your hand should have shot in the air. And that's, that's not condemnation. That's, that's really encouraging news. Amen? That's really encouraging news to know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who we are now. Um, there's, there's two kind of parts to righteousness. One is an instant righteousness, and one is called a progressive righteousness. One is uh, imputed, and the other is imparted. Um, imputed righteousness is we're declared righteous by God, purely by God's grace through faith in Christ. And thus, it all depends on Christ's merit and his worthiness, rather than my own merit and my own worthiness. That's where we get confused. People get confused and they're like, well, I don't feel worthy. Exactly. Bing, bing, bing. You got it. Nailed it. You're not. It's not by your own merit. It's not by your own worthiness, but you are declared righteous. Why? Because you placed your faith in Jesus Christ. And what happened at that moment was the great exchange. I'm going to read some verses that are the, uh, some of the foundation principles of our faith and also of the collective church. Um, what's that, Heather? Heather's really excited about this, guys. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Someone said amen. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. 
And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And Christ has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Come on, somebody. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Verse 21, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So we're made right with God through Christ. It was, first of all, it was instant. I'm getting keyboard this early in my message. This is going to be good. I like it. So instant, which is called imputed, imputed righteousness. And now, so, so that means at that very moment, at the very moment you were declared righteous. If, if the enemy in the court of law, if Satan was to come and say, God, but don't you see, don't you see what they've done? God would look and, and he said, I, no, I, I actually, I don't see. I actually, because Jesus would be standing in our place. And God would say, no, 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 I actually see Jesus, my perfect son, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's what I see. That's who I see. Not the sin, not the shame, not the condemnation. He sees Jesus. Folks, that's good news. That means that we have authority. That means we have access. That means when we says, who's righteous in the room, everyone can say, that's me. In fact, this morning, Collective Church, who in here is righteous? God, I love that so much. Yes, JP, you too, walking in, getting his coffee. You're righteous, bro. You're righteous. You're like, but but I still, but Pastor Ben, I don't understand it because I, I still have things that God's working on. Welcome to humanity. Welcome to La Familia. Well, like, welcome. You're in a good space here. You're in a good place because we actually address a lot of those things. We're open, we're honest, we confess. And by the way, there was a post that went out from the collective about confession. And do not get it wrong. We are not, we're not, our, our theology of confession is not Catholicism. That we become righteous when we confess. No, we get free when we confess. We're already righteous. We just get to walk in our righteousness. Isn't that good? We just get to walk in freedom. So there's people that are like completely free, spiritually free, meaning that after that imputed righteousness happens where someone, it it would be like this. It'd be like, it's laying, impute is to lay the responsibility or blame for often falsely or unjustly. It's to credit a person or a cause. For example, you might impute your ability to sing well to the thousands of dollars your parents spent in voice lessons, okay? Or piano lessons or guitar lessons. Thank God Taylor just picked up a guitar and learned how to play it. I didn't have to pay for lessons, right? Amen. Just pray for the Holy Spirit to teach your kids how to play how to play, play instruments. No, I would have spent it on you, buddy. Because, it's like, because, so in essence, it's like, because of somebody else, I'm standing here today. Because of somebody else, 
I'm standing in this place of righteousness. Because of Jesus, I'm standing in this place of righteousness. And I'm in complete right standings. But what, so it's cool. That's, that's imputed. That's instantaneous. We were instantaneously righteous. Now, every single one of us, I want you to hear this. Some of you are like, we've heard this a million times. You need to hear it again. Now we're living in a space until Jesus returns called imparted righteousness. Imparted righteousness. Or as we say at the collective, it's a progressive righteousness. It's not progressive in our politics. So don't be afraid of that word. (laughs) It's a hijacked word. It's progressive in our life, meaning that now my mind, my will, and my emotions are becoming more and more like Jesus through the justif... So, but because of because of the Holy Spirit. So now we have the Holy Spirit who's at work inside of us, right? And he's convincing of us of our righteousness. So that way, when I come into an attitude, when I come into a... A behavior that's like, whoa, 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 that's that's not who I am. That's not who I am. That's not who I am. So 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 Ashton Taylor, Macy, um, say say things like and a lot of you have heard this a million times, but you hear it again. It's like, so Taylor, you're you're a, you're a mighty man of God. You're a champion. And I would say this when they're babies. You're a mouthpiece to your generation. You're a leader of men. You're a follower of Jesus. You're a man of integrity. You're a man of character. You're a ruthless truth teller. And, and just whatever the Holy Spirit brings and on and on and on. So we say those things. Does that mean instantaneously that that's who Taylor is? Has he done all of those things perfectly? No. But he's my son, and he's in right standing with me. Not not because of anything he did this week. In fact, you know what? We, when we were out of town, you know what these jokers did? They missed garbage day. Nineteen years old missed garbage day. We're, we're, we're transparent here, aren't we? We can tell on each other. I love you, son. Put it in his car. (laughs) You shall learn, son. Pain will be your teacher. So, no, but no. Okay, so he missed garbage day. Does that mean that he has to work? to get back into to my good graces. Now, if, if you're a manipulative parent, sh- probably. If, if there's unhealth in parenting, then yes, there's going to be some hoops to jump through to get back to into a place of peace. Because by the way, salvation means that we have peace with God, that we're not, that we're unafraid. We're unafraid. That's why I can go boldly to the throne of grace at any point. I can seriously, absolutely blow it and get up and look at Father God square in the eye and come into his presence and not worry about how he feels or thinks about me because he loves me, that he loves me, that he loves me, that he loves me. Now what he's going to do is now there's going to be some imparted righteousness, meaning that the work of the Holy Spirit, if we say yes to it, if we respond in faith, 
the imparted righteousness is going to be at work, which is a progressive sanctification, meaning that the fruit of the Spirit, the seeds that are planted within us at the point of salvation, those are being watered and cultivated by the Holy Spirit. And now things that are part of my former life are beginning to fall off, and I'm beginning to become more and more like Jesus. That's why there are people who've been loving Jesus for a long time and when you get around them you feel like you're in the presence of Jesus you feel like you're in the presence you're like because you feel the love and the grace you know what they what they've done is they believed in imputed righteousness and they practiced imparted righteousness they said I'm we're gonna we're gonna work continually in this process of sanctification from a place of knowing that I am 100% right with God. And for anybody who says, well, doesn't that just lead to more sinning? They asked Paul that, and Paul said, nope, certainly not. Actually, when we understand that grace is the person of Jesus Christ coming at us, like Tiffany saying, the reckless love of God coming at us, it actually makes me want to sin less. It actually makes me want to love Jesus more. That's actually what it makes me want to do. So let me read a few scriptures. So in, in this, in this, back to this picture though, there's, there's no working back into good graces, in, into, into fellowship and relationship. Now we might, we, we might work on some things as far as we might work on some things. You know, maybe there's a little less Xbox one of these days. I'm, I'm prophesying now. Hallelujah. I see it. I feel it. Maybe there's, maybe there's not as much golf this week. Maybe there's, but that has, listen, that has nothing to do with the right standing. That has nothing to do with the right standing with the father. That, that, that's the father's way of, say, of actually seeing you as righteous and wanting to walk in your fullness. And so I, as, as fa- I'm not father God, I'm far from father God, but what I'm wanting to do is now I'm wanting the behaviors to come into alignment with what, where his spirit is. And that's the perfection of heavenly father so that you begin acting. And so then the Holy spirit is convincing you of your righteousness when you're going to cut corners at your job, when the boss isn't looking and you're like, okay, now I'm going to stop moving and I'm going to stop working. It's not, it's not a punitive feeling, but it's a convincing of the Holy spirit. that says that's not who you are. That's not who you are. You're a man of integrity. You're a man of character. You're a woman of character. You're a woman of integrity. Is this making sense? So this is, this is how the collective, this is how God has called us to operate. This is how we don't do signs, miracles, wonders to get back into good graces with God. We do it out of the overflow of, of who God already says that we are. Let me read a few scriptures and we're going to close. I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures really quick. Are you ready? Okay, we're going to read some TPT, some New Living Translation. Ephesians 1.4 says, And he chose us. We didn't choose him. He chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself, even before he laid the foundations of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. Whoa. 
He doesn't even see the stains. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Colossians 1.22, he released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. That's not somebody who's scared, by the way. We don't hang out with people who we think are mad at us. And now there is nothing, everyone say nothing, between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. Is that good? So that, like, that's, that's, I'm, it's like I'm looking at the, the box on the puzzle. And I'm going, that's what it looks like. Even though it looks like a mess right now, that's actually what I look like. That's actually who I am. And I'm looking at the mirror. The Bible calls, it says of itself that it's the perfect law of liberty, that we look into it to see who we really are. It's like we're looking at the box of the puzzle and saying, that's, that's, that's what I really am. And that's like the imputed righteousness. That's what our spirit looks like. But now our mind, our will, and our emotions, it's like, man, this is, this is a mess. Some of us that have come to Jesus and like later in life, we're like, okay, there's, this seems like a major thing to put back together. But Jesus says, no, 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 stay close to me. Stay close to me. Know who you are. And together we'll walk hand in hand. And before you know it, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to look down and you're going to see things starting to come together that you never thought would come together. Lopez family. Jenny Lopez, Lonnie Lopez. I think of you guys. I think of what we saw last week with majesty in this tank coming out of the waters of baptism. You year ago, could you see that? Heck to the no. But by faith, they saw it. Mm, that's good. Okay, let's read more scripture. Colossians 3 3. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tide of this life, and now your true life is hidden away in God and Christ. And as Christ himself is seen for he, who he really is, wait, and as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed, for you are now one with him in, in his glory. Is this encouraging anybody else? By God's will, Hebrews 10.10, by God's will we have been purified and made holy once for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus the Messiah. Hebrews 10.14, for by that one offering he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Romans 3.24, yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Romans 5.1, our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us and he now declares us flawless. Everyone say flawless. In his eyes. This means that we can now truly, we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God. By the way, when you're in a worthiness kind of pattern in your life, it's like a roller coaster and it sucks. 
How many have been on that roller coaster before? Based on your works. You're doing really well and you feel high and you're you're praying and you're reading your Bible and all of a sudden you, you hit a, uh, a road bump. You hit something, you hit an obstacle and you feel like you're not performing, you're not doing well. And all of a sudden you're, you're in the low of the low and the depths of the depths and you're living by comparison and it's not good. But Romans says... That this means we can enjoy true and lasting, lasting, lasting peace with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. You have time for a few more? Heather, Heather, do the kids workers have time for a few more? We got to go. Two more. I have two more. Okay. I'm going to send this out. <laughs> These better be really good. Okay, Romans 8.1 is mic drop. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life uni- union with Jesus, the anointed one. There remains no voice of, commun- of, of condemnation for those who are in union with Christ Jesus. <sighs> That's a good one. Oh man, I got to choose one more. Holy Spirit, which one should I do? Okay, oh yeah, okay. Stand up for this one, actually. Actually, Sean, can you put Romans 5.16 up there? And I think it's, I think it's NLT. And we're going to read it together. At the very end, we're going to shout the last couple words. By the way, who's righteous in this room? Yes. Say this. Say, I am. I think it must be NLT. I'm sorry. Sorry. TPT. Is it 516? Yeah, 516. Sorry. This is a fun game. I like this. Romans 5.16. Try TPT. (laughs) It's so good. Try TPT. Let's give it up for Sean, everybody. For because one transgression, is that, do you guys see that? We are all facing a death sentence with a verdict of guilty. But this whew, gracious gift leaves us free from our many failures and brings us into the perfect righteousness of God, acquitted with the words, acquitted with the words, Lord, we thank you this morning. God, we thank you this morning. I pray right now you would release every person in this room from condemnation, from self-hate, from self-fulfilling prophecies of that are um, 
self-sabotage. Father, I thank you that your heart for us this morning is one of long-lasting peace, where there's no peace, where there's no break in covenant, where there's no break in peace, that, God, we have access to the Father because of what Jesus Christ has done, because of the blood of Jesus that was shed for us, because of the body that was broken for us. Your word says, Lord, that it says that Jesus was, was tempted in every way, but yet did not sin. Therefore, let us come boldly into the throne of grace and receive grace and help in time of need. So we come before your throne of grace right now. And God, we're asking for help in our time of need, knowing that we're in right standing. And Lord, I thank you for the progressive sanctification of the saints. Lord, I thank you that we are in a process that is only done by the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I pray right now over every mountain that's being circled, every issue that seems to be like that causes guilt, shame, or condemnation. Right now, Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would come into this place and that you would convince of righteousness. That you would convince of righteousness. That you would convince. Men in this room, you're men of character and integrity. You're champions. You're a mouthpiece to your generation. You're, you're ruthless truth tellers. You're leaders of men. You're followers of Jesus Christ. That's who you are. You're men of your word. You're men of character. You're men of action. You're men of, of love and of submission and lordship. Women, you you in this room, that's, that's who you are. You're women of character and integrity. You're women of, of nobility, noble character. You're women of grace and mercy and love and compassion and empathy. You're leaders of women and men, your followers of Jesus, your mouthpieces to your generation. That's, that's who you are. That's who you are this morning. We take authority over every plan of the enemy to get us out of position right now in Jesus' name. Every plan, an attack of the enemy to get us out of position, to get us out of alignment, to get us out of order, we take authority over it in Jesus' name. Where there's been chaos in the mind, we call call back order right now in Jesus name. And we thank you that we are, we are, we are, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The old things are gone. They're gone. They're done. They're done. They're gone away. But behold, all things have become new. Here's what I saw. And this might be part of your progressive sanctification, or we just call it discipleship, or we just call it walking with Jesus and becoming more like Jesus, or we can call it the fruit of the spirit coming alive in our lives. There's lots of ways to say it. But here's what I saw. I saw some people with some things, some physical things in their home that are really tying you to your old life. Now, I don't want you to do this out of like religious duty. But if the Holy Spirit is convincing you of your righteousness and there's some things that you see or touch on a regular basis that are tying you to your old life, that bring up thoughts and that are that bring up, I feel like a, like almost like a soul tie where it's like you get you get so far away from it. It feels like a bungee cord is, is connected to you and you feel like you keep getting pulled back into it, pulled back into the same thought process. Maybe it's somebody online that you need to delete that you just go and keep checking profile and it's like a bungee cord pulling you back no this is you need to make a new, like you're a new creation in Christ Jesus so I just empower you right now by the Holy Spirit that you can make that decision and as you say yes to that you will be empowered and strengthened by, by the Holy Spirit to do that and I believe that God's going to honor your obedience in Jesus name do you receive that amen church
Thanks for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To find out more, visit thecollectivechurch.com.